I would say that um, unless something happens that we don't know about, unforeseen circumstances, I, I do think that we've seen the last of all-time low interest rates. And uh, as the economy starts really gaining more momentum and steam, you know, we could even see interest rates as the economy recovers in the, you know, the, the mid to low 5% in a year or so. I don't know. I mean, that could be a possibility. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Reed Goosens. This is Investing in the U.S. podcast, an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. And on today's show, we are talking with Joe Cucciera about the financing options available in 2017 as we come into a new year. Where are interest rates going? Joe is at awesome guy in terms of the mortgage brokerage industry. Really excited to have him on the show. But first, let's dive into a little bit of housekeeping before we do. Um, as you know, this show is all about educating my loyal listeners about the benefits of investing here in the US and buying cash flowing real estate, in particular, multifamily US real estate. And you know, if you want to join this awesome community of eager entrepreneurs who want to bust into the US and start just creating incredible amounts of cash flow, then hit me up at info at rsnpropertygroup.com with any of your reviews, with any of your comments, any show topics, whatever you might want want me to cover on this show, I will do it. But you just got to give me some feedback. Um, if you do love this show, jump over onto iTunes and give the show a five-star review or whatever review you think the show is worth because it really, really helps me show iTunes that we are building an incredible community of eager entrepreneurs who just want to gobble up all the incredible content. You know, I interviewed the, only the industry leaders here in the United States so you guys can learn and make the right decisions and avoid the pitfalls that I had to go through when I first moved to the United States. Now, guys, if you are interested in taking it one step further and you want to take that investing career to the next level, then I have started my new mentorship program, and I'm super pumped to be bringing this to you guys. I've had some feedback from some of the listeners on this show. They want to take their investing career to the next level, and this mentorship program, I designed it for those people who want to take their investing career seriously. I've had a lot of mentors over the years. I've paid a lot of money for mentorship. It's been worth its weight in gold. I have... I wouldn't be where I am today without my mentors. And now I've come to a point where people want me to mentor them and I'm very, very honored that they've asked me to do that. So I've gone out there and I've created a framework around the way that I've got from starting with you know very limited capital because it came to the United States with no credibility. I had very limited capital and now I've raised multi-million dollars on different multifamily real estate across the United States. And I can teach you the same tools that I've learned over the years. And what it is, it's I'm going to walk you through everything. The A to Z of buying multifamily real estate. Everything from just becoming an expert in the lingo um, to how do I underwrite a deal properly? Like what makes a good deal? A lot of people out there say, you know, Reed, is this deal even worth my time? Learning how to identify good deals is the number one key. I also walk through the whole process of how you go through due diligence. People, people will turn off once they've got, they've submitted an LOI, a letter for intent, if you don't know what that is. 
then they, they tend to turn off. You've got to crank through the due diligence period. Then you've got to get the right financing. All these steps are a part and parcel of closing on a cracking deal. Once you've closed on that deal, it's then about the proper management and employing the property, the right property managers who are going to maximize the cash flow of the property. And finally, I'm going to walk you guys through starting to raise capital for these deals, right? Because if you don't have the capital and you're not a syndicator, you can't go out and buy 50, 60, 100 units. So it's about about creating a personal brand. It's about creating, changing your mindset and creating this sphere of influence around you that people know that you're the KPI or key person of influence in your sphere about multifamily real estate. So if you are interested in getting involved in this program, we only have a, I only have a limited amount of seats because of my time. I can only take on so many people. Um, you get one-on-one training sessions with myself. We're on monthly calls as a group. Um, we're going to start, We're going to walk properties. We're going to go on property tours, visit some of my properties, look at brand spanking new properties. Uh, and we're just going to create an incredible platform for people to learn and then be able to raise capital within that group. So guys, if you are interested in learning more, hit me up at info, that's I-N-F-O at rsnpropertygroup.com and I'll flick you the course outline. All right, guys, if you do have any comments on today's episode, please tweet at me at Reed Goosens, that's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. Or you can also hit me up again at, my, at the info website at I-N-F-O at rsmpropertygroup.com. I always love hearing from my loyal listeners about any feedback we have on the show, any questions that we that you guys might have that you want me to answer, because I am going to do a Q&A session uh, in the coming months uh, for all those questions that I do receive on a month monthly basis. All right, guys, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Joe Cucciera. Joe is a 15-year veteran in the mortgage note origination industry, which really means Joe is an expert in mortgages, You know, which is what we want to talk about today because it's 2017 interest rates could be going up. What does that mean for you as a borrower? And we have Joe on today on the show to talk to us all about that and so much more. Enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Joe. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Uh, good to be with you today. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I gave a very, very, very brief introduction of yourself. Do you want to you know, elaborate a little bit more on your background and how you got started in real estate investing and how you went on to you know, start an incredible real estate radio live, which is very, very popular in the San Francisco Bay Area? Thank you. Yeah, I've been in the mortgage origination business for, gosh, you know, probably close to 16 years now and um, financing residential mortgage here in the Bay Area. For that period of time, and uh, then started Real Estate Radio Live in 2011, 2010, 2011. So that's been six years, and uh, really the focus there, Reed, when we started the show was the education information. And a lot of people said, "Well, you know, it's not sure if it makes sense." But the way I've grow, I grew my business, and the way I really grew, you know, the the way in which I handled people and my business to growth over years was my big belief in education and information. And in other words, if I sit down with someone either in person or get on a phone call with them, I'm going to spend a lot of time asking questions, educating, informing, really making sure they get all the information they need to help them make wise decisions in and around their real estate. And so that's the way I started my mortgage business. I really took the same concept into the real estate radio live 
And, uh, you know, it's doing really well, and we're podcasting, and I uh, couldn't be happier. That's incredible, mate. I I love that you value education because that's so important in today's world, right? Like people, <laughs> I always like to say, a fool and their money are easily parted. And when it comes to real estate investing, if you don't have the credible and the right information, you can make you know, some big mistakes and you can lose some, uh, you know, a large chunk of change. So, so kudos to you for, for really, you know, empowering people um, in the education space. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, why you started, you know, what was the, the why behind it in terms of education and, and why do people struggle when they, you know, come to get mortgages and why is it so difficult? Because I know when I first started out in real estate, getting a mortgage, you know, going and getting title and going opening escrow and all those sort of things can be a bit scary to the layman out there. So do, maybe do you want to talk to us about just the process and how it works here in the United States? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, the what I've just found, especially after the, you know, kind of the mortgage meltdown, if you will, which most people are familiar with in 2008 and 2009, I just felt like that, you know, we entered into a uh, time in financing that got so super conservative and so many people read that uh, really didn't know anything about financing or it's, you know, it was challenging to begin with. But then when we hit that conservative nature of underwriting that came around in 2009, 2010, I found that there were so many people frustrated and struggling and trying to figure out, you know, why things change so much and how come these conditions where they were and why the stringent underwriting guidelines. And, you know, so I saw a big need for uh, just an education process to really try to get people. What I always tell, the way I always explain to read is, you know, we don't expect you to be experts. What my job is, is to give you just enough information and options so that you and I could have an educated conversation on what is the best program for you. But based on what you know now about what you're about ready to get into in terms of a finance or a real estate you know, purchase. And so that was, I was motivated by that. I saw a lot of struggles and, you know, I, I get, you know, I don't know, at least a dozen or so emails and calls, uh, texts a week, you know, really with that same response, thanking me that not only myself, but the guests I have on the show, uh, all aspects of real estate in an effort just to get people a little more wise about some of the decisions they make. And I think that, you know, using that was the main objective and it still is. And I think it's worked pretty well. I think that's, that's, that, is, that is a good way of learning about anything is to learn from the experts and people, particularly from people who have been in the industry for as long as you have. So talk to me a little bit about how things did change since 2008 in the lending sphere. And we'll get into 2017 in the future, but let's go back and look backwards how we've got to where we are today and how that has you know, caused people to, to, to be confused somewhat uh, that, that require the more of an education um, um, background before they take the plunge and buy their first real estate uh, portfolio, real estate asset, I should say. Yeah, great question. You know, to give a bit of history, it's always good to know what you're up against. And so most people that have been in this business or not even in this business, but have had dealt with financing or real estate for the last 20 to 25 years, they're familiar. But really what happened for the benefit of those don't don't really understand behind the scenes is that we got into a hyper market that was going north and north that just continued, you know, the government and everybody else uh, included had the dream that every single person should have the ability to have home ownership. And that was part of it. And, you know, there was a big boom in that direction. The, the, a lot of the focus was how could we do that? How could we put programs and systems in place to literally allow as many people as possible to buy homes? It started that way, 
And then what happened is just, I, I believe, uh, unfortunately, you know, once the train left the track and they start gaining momentum in the lending industry, there were so many people that came in the market. There was a lot of people realizing how much money was out there to be made in, in the lending business because a lot of these guidelines, you know, pre-2008, 2009 meltdown, you know, you could get a loan without a job uh, by what's called stated income with no assets. I mean, it was really, when we look back, it was crazy. Um, I do have to, on a side note, as I go through this process, Reed, I, I never, we were introduced, our business was introduced into subprime several times and we never did. And thank, thank goodness. I look back, we never did buy off on that. We were always kind of an a paper lender. We didn't do any of the subprime lending. And I could tell you though, we used to get for the education of the person, the listener, I think this is interesting. We used to get probably two or three visits a month by investors that, you know, because we had a pretty big mortgage operation that were trying so hard to convince us to start selling this, this subprime and, you know, alternative lending. And every time we sat down with them, it just didn't feel right um, because, you know, I felt like they were taking advantage of the consumers and I just felt like that wasn't something we wanted to do. And I'll tell you what, to be honest, it was difficult because... I had some, uh, you know, I had some some people in the business that I was really close to that decided to go that direction, and they were their margins were a lot better than ours, and they were making a lot more money than us, and there was a lot of things that seemed to be right, and we just stayed away from it, and it turned out that was the the wise thing to do. But, you know, at, at at a given point, there was just so much lending going on, and everybody was trying to stay up. You know, they were trying to feed this monster along the way, and they couldn't get enough. And, you know, this lending practice got so completely out of control when it started to unwind, when they realized, you know, some of these things were being bought back or the security on some of these mortgages were having problems with the way they're packaged and such. Uh, it just started to unwind quickly. And most people kind of know the story what happened. So, you know, I would say back back then there was we've, we've really come full circle back. We looked back pre 2008, 2009, they were lending to literally anybody without a job. If you could imagine that and then come full spectrum, here we go. You know, after that meltdown, underwriting and lending gets so conservative. Um, but really, you know, I would say that it's still a bit too conservative of my taste. I'm, I'm in this business, but I think that, uh, you know, many, many lenders and investors get burned so bad um, during that period of time, I think they just really wanted to get back to the focus of really lending in the right way. And that's what they're doing now. Right. Right. So you're saying we had to have that correction for people to change their mindset on why the ways that in which they're lending to these people, which I, they didn't, they used to call those loans, the ninja loans, the no income, no job loans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They had all kinds of names for them. The liar loans, the ninja loans and all kinds of different, uh, you know, acronyms for them. But, uh, it was a crazy time, and I think I hope that most people learned from it. Um, you know, there was a lot of people that were, um, you know, what I will say, too, before we move on to the future and talk about some of that, Reed, is there was a lot of people that probably were, you know, were no doubt misled and talked into financing. However, I, w I will also say that in many cases that was a scapegoat. I think that a lot of people knew exactly what they were doing, and they took advantage of it, and things didn't work out so well, and so... You know, they walked away from properties and did a lot of things of their own fruition, you know, their own choice. And so I think there was enough blame to go around.
Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think so too. But I but I, but I do think that maybe that they came the right way. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been as long in the industry as you have. So, um, but let's look forward. Let's look in towards 2017. We've, we've come from this 2008 growth in the United States is quote unquote slow. Uh, interest rates are slug, you know, I'd be projected to go up. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So so where do we think, where, in your you know, professional opinion, where do you think we're heading in 2017 uh, in terms of lending and the lending atmosphere? Well, I think uh, in general, if we if we take it nationwide, you know, we're looking at rates that uh, I really believe are for the first time in over a decade. We're looking at rates that are going to steadily increase a bit. You know, we're at it. At, you know, if we're talking as we're talking today, Reed, you know, 30 year conforming monies in the low four percent. I, I really think that uh, as we roll into mid to the latter part of 2017, we could see rates in the mid to high four four percent range. That would be my best guess. You know, historically speaking, before people start kind of getting, you know, getting a little nervous about that, um, none of us like to see rates go up, of course. But, you know, it is long term. It is good for the economy uh, when you stave off inflation. And then also, um, you know, let's let's face it. When we look at historic interest rates. If we have money, if we're borrowing or we're lending money in the mid to high four percent range, my gosh, that's still really good considering where we were back in the, you know, the 70s and 80s with, you know, 10, 11, 12% interest. Yeah, high teens, right? It was, uh, yeah. I was, I was only, I was only a, a, a bub back then, but <laughs> I, I didn't, I was never lending back then to, 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 hit, to get, you know, hit with those interest rates. So Janet Yellen, we've heard a lot about her. If you don't know who that is, mm-hmm. the head of the Fed, you know, constantly talking about, they raised it in December, interest rates, um, a quarter of a quarter of a percent or 25 right. basis points. Um, when is the next meeting? And do you know if they are going to, is there murmuring of, of the going to in, increase it and have the markets already adjusted to, in, to accommodate that increase? I think they have adjusted. Yeah. And, and actually, if you track it like I do daily, uh, you know, I think once the, um, honestly, I think if you, if you step back a couple of months, Reed, if we look at this pattern, once uh, Donald Trump was elected as president before he really took office, once that happened, rates start moving up with the anticipation. No one really knew what was going to happen. It was everybody's guess. But, you know, if I, as I look back, right about the first part, late October, first part of November of 16, rates made a significant move up. Uh, since then, they've, they've really taken a bit of a breather. They've come back maybe 100 basis points or maybe, you know, you know an eighth or sometimes in some cases a quarter to rate. So they've settled back down, and they're still pretty good. I think the next meeting could be next month. Uh, it could be a month of February or maybe the first part of March. I'd have to double-check on that. But I think that um, it will depend on what happens in the next 30 days, whether she will raise again. She did make a statement, I think, in the December you know, meeting that uh, it was likely that they were going to, I think, raise two to three times in the, uh, you know, the, the year of 2017. So... It, uh, I think there's a 50-50 chance. My guess is we might not see a raise till maybe the second quarter, but we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and see. Either way, I do think that for the listeners out there, you know, expect 30-year money to be somewhere in the you know the low to mid four percent range here in the next several months. Right, right, right. So, and for those, to educate those people out there, does 
does the Feds always raise it by 25 basis points or can they go higher or can they go lower and they can just, you know, gauge the market and see how the market responds? Yeah, that's an interesting, this is always an interesting conversation. I love this because uh, it was, when I got into this business, it was hard for me to understand, but what I do want to try to explain to listeners that, and may, maybe some know this and some don't, but when the Fed, Fed raises the rate, you know, that that's the prime lending rate that they're raising, which really, ironically, is is not tied, it's not a mortgage-backed security, it's not tied to the mortgage rates, but the reason why it has an effect ultimately on the mortgage rates is that it does have an effect on home equity lines of credit, credit cards, auto loans, personal loans. It, so across the spectrum in the economy, the, when they raise the prime, it does have an effect on the economy and other rates. So ironically, what happens is, of course, that usually the 30-year mortgage or the mortgage-backed securities go up at the same time. But ironically enough, they're, they're a little bit different in, in that sense. In other words, when the Fed raises by a quarter, it doesn't always mean that uh, that means that, you know, the 30-year money is automatically going to jump up by a quarter overnight. Right, 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 right. And, and talk to me, uh, me a little bit about the, the quote-unquote recovery that's been going mm -hmm. on for the, the better part of a decade and how that ties into interest rates movement and, and, and how Jan Janet Yellen likes to, I know I've listened to a few of her speeches, mm -hmm. you know, look at, look at confidence in the market, as she likes to say, because that is right. very much an indicator of where – if and when they will raise those, you know, those interest rates and, and confidence, all about confidence. It's all about confidence in consumer spending and yada, yada, yada. So talk a little bit about that. Right. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, over the last, again, I'll say the last eight to 10 years, there's been this movement down in the interest rates and a struggling economy. And ever since we had that kind of the mortgage meltdown, you know, real estate is such a huge part of the the American economy and really the what drives that engine there was, it took several years to recover from that. So slowly but surely, we've seen rates just stay low, 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 low. And as we start to turn that, really start to turn a corner, it looked like we started to turn a corner a bit in late 2015. And a lot of us read thought that we'd probably see rates come up in 2016, yep. uh, the, the first part. I know and I did. <laughs> yeah, I think we all did. And still, no, you know, we didn't get them there. We actually had a pretty decent run for a while with rates. And then you know, they really didn't start to make the move until the latter part of 2016. So I would say that if you, if you, you know, really surveyed a majority of economists and people who track this on a regular basis, that they would say that, you know, we're on a, we're, we've kind of turned a corner and we're probably heading in a more positive direction with GB, uh, you know, the, the, the gross national product, the, you know, that the increase in a lot of the positive really indicators and factors that drive the economy. You know, it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of hype about how the Trump administration is going to add more jobs. And there's a lot of, you know, really a lot of talk around that topic. And of course, that is also an indicator, a driver of the market. So I would say that um, unless something happens that we don't know about, unforeseen circumstances, I, I do think that we've seen the last of all time low interest rates and uh, as the economy starts really gaining more momentum and steam, you know, we could even see interest rates as the economy recovers in the, you know, the, the mid to low 5% in a year. So I don't know. I mean, that right. could be a possibility. No, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. And, and, and on, on the administration, <clears throat> let's, let's talk about that, you know, Trump and how you talk about confidence. Have you seen from a lending point of view or a borrowing point of view, people just 
wait to see, like let, let the dust settle, so to speak, before, you know, have you seen any easing of, of borrowing in your business? Not yet, but I do think, here, here's what I do know, I'm pretty sure, is that, you know, we've, we've been in administration for the last eight years that have been very um, compliance happy and um, compliance regulated happy. You know, in our industry, Reed, a lot of people may not, you know, Dodd-Frank Dodd was really the big, big, you know, the big engine that came into our industry, financial services, mortgage services, credit cards, and really regulated a lot of stuff that was happening. Now, some of it was good because we do need regulation. I'm a big fan of some regulation, but I think they went too far. And there's a lot of regulation in our specific business I'll speak to because I, I live it every day that is really, really frustrating and upsetting to the consumer. A lot of it doesn't make sense. And, um, you know, really what that means, too, is I'll tell you, what's interesting is a lot of these moves were supposed to ultimately save the consumer money and make more sense. And in my estimation, we've really confused the consumer even more with a lot of the, the disclosures and documentations that we use. And on top of that, my belief is that, you know, consumers are paying more today than they did before. So um, I'm, I think, I believe that maybe in the next year or so, we could see some easing of some of those regulations, which might um, lend to some maybe, you know, loosening up some of the guidelines of underwriting. We might even have some different programs that come out because of it. So we'll have to wait and see. Interesting. That's, that's very, and it, that's, that's the point of your real estate live radio, right? It's to educate people in this changing times. Um, talk to me about what are the type of regulations that you, you, you do like to see, in a, you know, coming from 2008 to now that you hope are still going to be in effect in you know one two years time that that that, that are good for for the industry and, and for consumers. Well, I, you know, I'll tell you that the the regulation that I really like I, I did like to see that affected our industry is that there um, there used to be I'll try to describe it as simple as I can because it's a bit confusing this industry if you're not familiar with it. But you know there used to be some manipulation read and it, let's just say it was easier for people in my business to manipulate people into getting a higher interest rate or charging more points or fees to the benefit of the loan originator or the loan officer or the company would benefit and the consumer would not benefit and be misled and pay a higher interest rate. That's the way the old system was. The one thing I do have to say that they did put a really good system in place in our industry where it is literally, I won't say impossible, but it's pretty near impossible for instance, you cannot increase an interest rate to a consumer and make more money in our business. If you sell a try to sell a higher rate to a consumer, all that means is that additional credit in that rate, the cost of the rate read, goes back to the consumer to their benefit. So they did put some regulations in place, honestly, that I think were really good for the consumer. And that was one that now it's almost impossible to mislead a consumer and get them to pay too much for that rate, if that makes sense. No, no, it makes sense. And um, for all those listeners out there, rewind that button, <laughs> listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try to explain it, but I, I do get you. I understand what they're trying, what you're trying, what they're trying to achieve by not um, by, by sort of pulling the rug out from underneath the consumer. Um, Joe, I, I know we we don't have you, you for a long time on the show today, but I wanted to get your thoughts on and the advice that you would want to give people going into 2017 and how they can weather the storm of increased rates and what people should be looking out for. Any any specific advice, maybe your top couple of little tidbits for, for takeaway pieces of advice? 
Yeah, I, that's a great question. I, I, I say this, I've been saying this a lot on my podcast and my show for the last several months, and I would say that uh, the interest rates are still good. So number one, to your listeners, read if you, if you, you know, if you have a second, if you have a home equity line of credit, or you have, or you have some uh, credit card that you just get in trouble with, and you know you're paying high percent interest rates on those credit cards, or you have some some debt that's really getting you buried, and you you're just sitting there reading, you're looking at a 30-year fix maybe on your home, just hypothetically. Let's say you have like a, you know, something in the mid to high three percent, and you're just like, God, I hate to give up on that rate, but yet you're, you know, behind the scenes. You're, you know, you're really falling deep into the hole because you're paying, you know, 14, 15% on credit card debt, or maybe you have a home equity line or a second that is adjusted. And now you're paying, you know, a huge payment on that because it's adjusted and maybe reamortized. I would say just still, it's a great time to wrap those types of things together. Even if you're paying a little more than 4%, you might find that, you know, long-term it's a little bit better. So number one, don't think that it's too late to refinance if it really makes more sense. You know, whoever you're working with, sit down and figure out if it does make sense to consolidate debt. The second thing I would say is that it's still just a great, you know, in, in our in our area, in the Silicon Valley here, in the San Francisco area, you know, it's an expensive place to live. Um, there's a, there's low inventory and the rate the rates are still pretty good. And, um, you know, some people would say, well, it's still a seller's market, but I'm just a big believer in real estate. I've, I've owned real estate, you know, myself for 25, 26 years, and I continue to look for different deals. And I just think that if you look at transactions in a smart way, unemotionally, and you put the, what I always say, put the pen to the paper or the pencil to the paper and make your decisions, you know, I still think it's a great time to invest. I really do. And there's so many places around the United States I'm certainly not an expert at, but I'm really... You know, I have the benefit of interviewing people on my podcast, like yourself, who are an expert in investment areas all over the place. And there's some wonderful places to invest in real estate. So I guess in summary, what I'd say is I'm a huge fan of real estate, but make those smart decisions and make sure you've got a good team of people around you before you make those decisions. And Joe, I think, yeah, you summed it up pretty well because the fact is, you know, having just taking a look at your own personal finances, even is, you know, we talk a lot about on this show just about real estate and blah, blah, blah. But it's also very good to get out from underneath some of that bad debt, credit card yeah. debt, maybe some car loans you have, any any student debt you might be accumulating if you can. Um, because that getting that off the books is going to help you, right? obviously it's going to help you with your credit, but 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 go to someone like yourself, right, Joe, to, to help you them walk the, through that process because that's really, really right. important. Um, yep. So Joe, for those people out there who are listening who do want to hit you up, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Yeah, two places you can reach me. Uh, you can always reach me at area code 408-838-9060. Or, you know, you can always go to the website and take a look what we're doing at reradiolive.com. That's reradiolive.com. And you could, uh, you know, get a hold of me through email that way as well. Nice, nice. Well, I only had you for a short time, Joe, but I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I'm going to have to get you back because I really want to dive further. Uh, maybe as the year ticks on a little bit, I might get you back on the show as uh, as we see what the, the new administration does with, with lending, uh, maybe halfway through the year, I think. That's a, that's a good idea. I'm just thinking to myself. But but thank you so, <laughs> but thank you so much for dropping in. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Take care, Reid. Thanks a lot. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode with Joe Cucciera. He is an awesome guy that knows a lot about mortgage 
you know, the mortgage industry in general, very, very knowledgeable guy. I only had him for a short period of time. Um, guys like him, they are the industry leaders. They are the big dogs. And if you want to know your stuff, tune into his show. It's very, very informative. Again, he he's on the more of the resi side, uh, residential lending. But that you know, a lot of people start out in residential investing. A lot of people who who reach out to me on this show. So please, if you do have any mortgage questions about interest rates, about uh, what the Fed's doing, really subscribe to Joe because he's an awesome, awesome guy and he knows his stuff. All right, guys, we're going to do this all again next week. But before we do sign out of here, I just want to quickly remind you of all the cool things that we are doing on this show. Uh, I've got the new ebook. If you want to get your hands on the new ebook, just leave me um, an iTunes review. It really, really does help me and helps the, the, the popularity of this show. And also about the mentorship program. If you are interested in that program, it is, as I said, I'm only taking 15 to 20 people. Um, hit me up at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. If you want to learn more about multifamily investing and you want to close on a multifamily deal this year in the United States, hit me up. Info at rsnpropertygroup.com. I will teach you all the tricks of the trade. All right, guys, all I want to say, I want to sign out. I'm going to start with a new sign out this year. I want to say is that get off the couch, take some action, make it happen, and get it done. All right, guys, we're going to do this all again next week. So happy investing. <laughs>